hopefully. Uh, this is training, right? This is training. Training. What does training mean? Exercise. What does exercise mean? I don't know. <laughs> um, please turn your Bibles over to the book of John, chapter 21. So last week, um, uh, we, dis- we discussed, or, or the, the title, I entitled it, uh, Idolatry of Comfort. We're still in the old New Year, the old New Year dilemma, our New Year series for this year. Old New Year dilemma. I don't know if you've been following us, but the purpose and the goal for us here at church is to know Christ, to become like Him, and to make Him known. To make Him known. How are we supposed to do that? Through the reading of His Word. How is the reading of His Word going to help us? It's to renew our minds. Romans 12:2. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, not your spouse's mind, not your children's mind, not your partner's mind, but yours, your, your mind, not your seatmate's mind. Don't do this. Like, hey, here, renew your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Everybody always says, I don't know what my God's will is for me. Well, if you'd be listening, you would know. Because it's He keeps telling us what His will is for us. If we will just listen, we will know. How? By the renewing of our minds. Renewal of thinking, transformation, removal of the old way of thinking and beliefs. So again, last week we, we tackled the idolatry of comfort. Uh or the comfort culture. We are comparing what the world teaches about uh, comfort and what the Word of God told us and teaches us about it. Um, Brief recap of it. We concluded that God knows our need of comfort. Amen? And that alone, God knowing it, should give us peace and comfort us because God knows how to fill the gap in our hearts, how to mend our hurts. God knows it. So tonight, we're going to tackle the idolatry of the hustle ideology. <laughs> Trying to be uh, hip, maybe. <laughs> maybe. Um, idolatry of... Co- Next slide, please. That was last week. Next one. Uh, this is what we mean by the hustle and grind ideology. Um, next slide, there you go. By hustle and grind ideology, we don't simply mean hardworking lifestyles. Rather, it's the ideology of pursuing a future version of the self, of the self, tougher, harder, more successful, more complete through relentless self-improvement. This sort of attitude is, is expressed, for example, in the proliferation of productivity books, and perhaps more viscerally in the fitness world's ubiquity of jiu-jitsu studios and CrossFit boxes. This is from the article from the Gospel Coalition. And I quote, If you doubt the prevalence of the hustle and grind ideology in today's world, consider how many people listen to the Joe Rogan experience. The show has over 13 million subscribers. And billion, billions, billions of views. Billions. Now, although Rogan covers an extremely wide range of topics, from martial arts to alternative medicine to alien spacecraft, there is a strong thread that runs through the show about working hard, challenging yourself, never giving up, and grinding until you win. Rogan's massive influence particularly among young men, speaks to the appeal of this increasingly popular map of meaning. One exemplar of the hustle ideology is David Goggins, a former Navy SEAL. His book, Can't Hurt Me, Master Your Mind and Defy the Odds, is a bestseller. Goggins 
offers inspirational quotes ranging from aphorisms such as, I don't stop when I'm tired, I stop when I'm done, to it's so easy to be great nowadays because everyone else is weak. This mindset evokes the idea of the ascension of deity, to be great and then be a small god. And there's a sense that if the greatest end is the greatest version of you, then the greatest version of you, whoever that is, is divine. It's idolatry of the up to myself, end quote. It's a serious matter. The idolatry of the up to myself. Keep working hard until you achieve the greatest version of you, whatever it takes. That's idolatry. Why? Because if you're living your life to the fullest for that particular matter, for that particular subject that you find meaning to, that's idolatry. Because you obviously have put that above God. Now let's go to the scriptures to see what our creator, our God, have to say about this. For those of you who have not surrendered your life to God, He's only your Creator. But for those of you who have surrendered to God, to Jesus as your Lord and Savior, He is your Lord. Amen? Amen. So, John 21, I'm going to be reading uh, verses 5 and 6, and then jump to verse 10 to 12, and then jump to 15 to 19. 5, 6. He called out to them, Friends, haven't you had any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net, net in because of the large number of fish. Verse 10 to 12. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Simon Peter climbed aboard and dragged the net ashore. It was full of large fish, 153. But even with so many, the net was not torn. Um, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Verse 15 to 19, Jesus reinstates Peter. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, Son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your grace and your mercy that is new every morning. We thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for all the blessings that you've given to us, to our families, with our health, with our careers, with our businesses, with our jobs, Lord God. To belong to this country, to live in this country, we thank you for this church. We thank you for the singers earlier, for the church workers behind the scenes, Lord God. We thank you for our uh, health, that you, we were able to come here safe and sound. We thank you for the building that you've provided. Now, Father, we ask for your Holy Spirit to teach us and guide us and to reveal to us your message for us. You know what everybody is going through. You know what everyone's struggle is and what they're fighting against, Lord God. So we ask, Lord, that you open their hearts, soften their hearts, Lord God, in order for them to truly hear your message for them. And open their minds, Father God, and renew their minds from something that's been ingrained that is wrong to something that you truly want for them. Bless me, Father, and anoint me. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, if you've been following 
if you were here last week and the week before that, or if you heard the, the, the podcast messages, um, it's, I think it's related to what we're going through. It's because it's the new year. The new year is always a beginning of new things, right? We're trying to be the better version of ourselves. We're trying to change things for the better. That's always the mentality, and that's the right mentality. But at the same time, we know that if we don't change from the inside, we will be the same person. It'll just be a different year, and that seems to be the problem. So we've read about Peter again. And, and, and how about a little background on Peter? Um, if you would turn, so the next chapter, or to, to Luke chapter 22, go there. Luke is before John. I should be hearing pages going. When you guys whisper, I can hear you. <laughs> 31 to 34. Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you have turned back, strengthen your brothers. But he replied, Lord, I am ready to go with you to prison and to death. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times that you know me. Now, we know, for those of you, for most of you, know that Peter did deny Jesus. Right? Now, here's a quote from Reverend Colby Cuevas of, on what fishermen are during Jesus' time. Fisher, fishing was hard work, especially for fishermen who stood on the bank and had to throw their nets out in the water. Um, they weren't the most influential people. For the most part, they were just ordinary guys doing regular work. They weren't clean. Probably had a smell about them. That's a nice way of saying that they probably stunk. Fishermen certainly weren't the most polished of individuals. In terms of characteristics, the fishermen were gruff and rugged, not social uppities at all. He said, they possessed useful skills. They were most likely multilingual and had some degree of business savvy. Most importantly, they were hardworking. So Peter was the leader of the pack and he was very close to Jesus and he was very outspoken, right? He was very outspoken. He would speak his mind. He was very bold. He's, uh, I would say he's... he's, he's very productive with his relationship with the Lord. He loved Jesus. And, and, and what we just read, he probably meant what he said. That he, he would go to prison and death for Jesus. To protect Jesus. Because Peter did not want Jesus to be captured. Right? Jesus did not want to be captured. Much more be crucified and tortured. Now weeks before this event... Jesus also predicted that he will be captured and be crucified, but Peter wasn't having it. Um, oh no, he denied it, and now this is the uh, this is the him saying that I will die for you, Jesus. Go turn to Matthew. Just turn to Matthew 16, 21 to 30, 23. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament. I know that sounds sarcastic, but really, that's really me trying to help you. 21 to 23, Matthew 16. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Now what do we see with the two things, the two accounts, um, and, and, and related to the hustle ideology? 
What do we see there? We see when, when we men or people say we profess that we're going to work hard, we're going to do our best, that we will fight to the death, right, for our loved ones. And we probably mean it. Just like Peter, he meant it. He probably really meant it, that I will go to prison and to death for you, Lord God. No way I will deny you. The last thing that I will, I will do is to, to deny that I am with you. But he did. He denied him three times. And when Peter heard that, that Jesus was, was going to be captured, he said, over my dead body. But then Jesus told Peter that he is against God's will. Could it be that the idolatry of hustle or hard work is because it's not what God wants for you? Could it be because even though your drive and motivation is to, for the betterment of your life, could that betterment of your life be against what God's will is for you? <laughs> is it what God wants for you? Is that it? Again, what does the, the world tells people, tells us, in order for us to live our life to the fullest, we must be successful. And then successful is relative to the listener. But the world tells us success is equivalent to money. The more money you make, the more successful you are. Now, however you attain that money, it's up to you. It's either through your educational uh, attainment or your business savviness. Some of you, it's through the lottery. Some of you, it's through the casino. Right? We're, we're, it, you're, you're tossing the, the, the dice there. Because always, the case is always, success, as the world puts it, is equivalent to a dollar sign. And for the intellectuals, intellectuals, it's the, doctors, the doctorate's degree, the master's degree, the bachelor's degree. But is that what God's want, God wants for you? The hustle ideology, work hard, be the better person, be, be, be the better, better version of yourself. Now, what is God's will for you? Have you asked yourself that? And if when he answered, did you say, no, I don't like that? Can it be a Hollywood actor, Lord? Can I be the big next star for the American Idol? Can it just be so glamorous that, I, that all the people that used to hate me will now want to love me? What is God's will for you? Again, you have to, when, for you to ask that, you also have to reflect on the verse of Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Again, you have to ask, what is God's will for me? In order for you to find out, you have to be connected with God. In order for you to be connected with God, that's the only time that you will renew your mind. How will you, re How will you renew your mind? You read your word. See, we're competing with the world. The church is competing with the world. You heard praise and worship songs this evening for how many minutes? How many minutes do you listen to hip-hop songs and everything else from the world in your car times six days? Some of you are saying, oh, I, I listen to praise and worship songs. Good. Praise God. How about the reading part of the word? How much time did you spend on Facebook social, or your social media platform? Facebook's for old people like me. And uh, I don't know, TikTok. How many hours have you spent on those materials? And, and, and you've consumed. You're consuming what they're giving you. So we're competing with that. The Lord and the church is competing with a very, very ferocious, creative overpopulated, very much accepted things. So how can you renew your mind? Plug into the Word of God. Renew your mind is the only way that you will know God's will for you. If you want to know God's will for you. You know, the computer 
is one of the best inventions of mankind, in my opinion. The way it's built, it's, it's fascinating. Computer is made out of many parts. One of the use of a computer is to obtain and store uh, and retrieve certain information that the user needs. And that, and, and that is attained through the part of the computer that's called the hard drive. If it wasn't stored in the hard drive, the hard drive cannot provide the information that's being asked. But everything else that's been stored, inputted, downloaded to the hard drive, when you need it as a user, it will come. The mind is our hard drive. As the hard drive is the mind of the computer, your mind is yours. Whatever you store in it, that's the one that you'll be able to obtain. You're going through troubles. You're, you're going to go through what you're used to, what you were taught to do, what you, how you were taught to think, how you were taught to approach a certain matter. Now, if you're not renewing your mind, you're plugging in and, and, and still retrieving things from your old self, things that are wrong, because everything that the world has taught us is wrong. Amen? Some of you don't agree because you've benefited from some of the things that you learned from the world. Now, there's really nothing wrong with money. The Bible says money is not evil. What does the Bible say? The love of money is what's wrong. The love of money is what's wrong. Now, I've heard some of you say, when I get a lot of money, I'll help a lot of people. Now, the Bible also says, he who is faithful with little will be faithful with much. If you cannot help somebody with your $10, you will not help anybody with your million dollars. Don't kid yourself. Generosity starts with the little things. What you're doing when you're saying that is you're bribing God. You're trying to trick God in giving you more money so that you will really not help. Renewing of our minds. Now for the unbelievers, they're told that they don't need God. They don't need God for salvation. They can just be good and kind and they will probably go to heaven. They're told to not surrender to God because... God is, is the one that hinders them from having fun in this world. They're told to attain material things, achieve many accolades or degrees, travel to as many places as they can, and be happy. They don't need God to be happy. Now, a lot of people will argue with you and tell you that. But the people that have done that and tried that to live life to the fullest without God, they come back empty. They come back wanting. Because ultimately it becomes an unfulfilled life because only God can truly fulfill one's life. Now, despite the fishermen, our, our brothers, the disciples in the story here, in the account here of John, Despite being the expert in fishing, they did not catch any fish. Remember? Remember? Go, look at your Bibles again. In John 21, 5, 6, they did not catch anything. Have you caught any fish? And they said, no. And then what did God say? Throw your net to the other side. Oh, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. What does that mean for us? Their net was on the Wrong side, wrong side, not left side, wrong side. No. <laughs> okay, okay. Turn your net to the right side and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net because of the large number of fish. Many people want to be successful. They want to have a fulfilled life. They want to live in order to not waste their life. Because the world tells them, if you don't achieve these certain things, you're wasting your life. Now, we just read, thank you, Zoe. Happy birthday. Wow, thanks. <laughs> thank you. Excuse me. People 
like me, I don't want to waste my life. And here we see the disciples, they did not catch any fish. And naturally, they would consider that day a failed day, a day of, of, of failure. Successful day when you go out fishing, you want to see result, right? A successful life for you is you want to see result with your business, with your children, with your marriage. You want to see a fulfilled life with the result of whatever it is, whatever success is that was planted, ingrained in your mind. Success then is defined by the individual. Do we agree? The hustle ideology is whatever the individual decides for themselves. You decide to become a martial artist today, even though you're 45 years old, go ahead, do it. Break your hip. <laughs> See where that gets you. It tells us to get as, many, as, as, as much money as we can, as many cars as we can, as many successful business, as healthy as we can, as buff as we can, to become a fighting machine, to have as many relationships as we can, to keep dating if we're single, to keep traveling, a life that is successful viewed by you and you alone. Now, as we can see in the scripture, success comes from God. Are you looking at your Bibles there? How were they successful with their fishing? They listened to God. God told them where to throw the, the net. Throw your net on the other side. These guys are expert fishermen. They were there for many hours. They could not catch single fish. And then when God was there and they listened to what God did, they could not haul it in. Success comes from God. Amen? Amen. Say amen. Now you're accountable. You agreed that your success came from God. If you are successful, that's from God. Amen? amen? If your family is thriving, that's from God. You praise Him for that. If you are healthy, that's from God. That's not from you dieting and running through the treadmill, or you're doing that. But that's the success with your health is from God. Everything that you have is from God. Are you guys confused? Are you relating the, the verses with what I'm saying? Now, again, go back to John 21, still there, verse 15. Go to verse 15. Jesus reinstates Peter. I have it here for you. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. A great conversation between two friends. Don't you agree? A sincere, a sincere conversation. Again, fishermen were rough people and tough people. For a, a tough guy to say to another guy, you know I love you. Some of you are cringing because you don't have, you never had that, that, that bond with another man. Right? Real close, close friendship. The question was sincere from Jesus, but it was pointed. This is the time that Jesus reinstates Peter. Remember the disappointments. Peter was coming from disappointments about himself. He denied Jesus three times. He knows that. He knows that. And he knows that Jesus knows about it because Jesus warned him about it. And so Peter is beating himself up. Guilt, guilt was, 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 was killing him. That's why he went back to fishing. He saw Jesus as a resurrected person. He already saw him. But why all of a sudden Peter goes, I'm going to go fishing. Because he hasn't reconciled with Jesus. Sometimes in our life, with the, the struggles that we go through, we haven't reconciled with God. Because we haven't and we've forgotten to confess our sins to Him. We do pray. We ask for help with the things that we need. We do read our Bible because Joe keeps bugging you about it. Right? But, but when we come to God and we pray to Him and we say, Lord, forgive me for all my sins. Sometimes we've forgotten the sins that we committed. So we say, Lord, remind me of the things that I've done that have hurt you. Because a real conversation happens like this. And then the, the answer of Peter, he says, Yes, Lord, 
you know. Why? Because the last two accounts that we read, remember, God already predicted things to him, but Peter loved to argue with Jesus. Right? No, Lord, I will not deny you. No, Lord, they will not capture you over my dead body, Lord. Right? But see, the thing is this, Christians, in your maturity, for you re- if you really want to mature in your relationship with him, you have to understand, God knows. What does he know? He knows when you're being lazy. He knows when you prioritize Instagram over Bible reading. He knows if you prioritize football over coming to church. He knows if you prioritize spending your money on something new for your clothing rather than obeying Him in your tithing. God knows. God knows. You want to mature? You have to understand. Every disobedience, any inaction that you take, He knows. He knows the real reason behind it. You and I, we can lie to each other. We can make it look good, sound good, sound noble. But we should know that God knows. We see here that God, Jesus himself, in his resurrected body, asking Peter, Do you love me more than these? These pointing to the 153 fish that they caught. Right? Question to you. Do you love Jesus more than these? What are your these? What are your these? You have to ask yourself, what are my these? What are the things that I love more than Jesus? What are the things that come in front or ahead of Jesus, ahead of Him, of me serving Him, ahead of Him, me obeying Him? What are those things? I put it in here for you, the general things maybe. My best guess, money. Money. Could it be money? Could it be your health? Could it be your family or your, your relationships that are you're loving more than Jesus? Now, on money, Matthew 6, 24, if you guys can go to your Bibles there. Matthew 6, 24. No one can serve two masters. Somebody say amen. Amen. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. That's the other version. Mammon is the god of money during Jesus' time. Do you use God to get money? Is God your magic, powerful genie? And is one of your wishes from your genie? Is Lord give me money? Money. When God says, you cannot serve God and riches. Now do you own your money? Or does your money own you? Did money, the, the money that you have, did that come from you? Or did God allow you to have that? Now, if you don't have money, and you're still working hard to get money, and you're for neglecting God, I think it's a good thing. Because God is saying, if I give you this, I will never see you at church again. <laughs> if I give you this, you will never pray to me again. Right? Turn to Daniel. Daniel is in the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to him, King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace... The God we serve is able to deliver us from it, and He will deliver us from your majesty's hand. But even if He does not, we want you to know, your majesty, we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold that you have set up before us. 
Their health was on the line. Their life was on the line. If they don't bow down to the statue of gold that Nebuchadnezzar had made, they will be thrown into the furnace. But what did they say? Oh, well, if you throw us in, God will rescue us. But even if he doesn't, Christians, that's what we need to develop. That kind of faith. That even if God doesn't answer our prayers the way we're asking, we should say, oh, well, God is still in control. Remember? Because He knows. He knows the trouble that we're going through. He knows the trial, the persecution that the, this world is putting us through. We have to know that He knows and then we have to trust. We have to trust in His knowledge that, and, and, and the fact that He is sovereign. Nothing in our lives is happening that the, God doesn't know about. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love Him, those who... Who are called according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. I remember that I forgot. Then I got scared that I'm going to forget again. Then I stopped. <laughs> the worry happened. Health. Do you possess your health? Yes, you are. You're holding it. Are you healthy? Yes. Did that come from God? The right answer is yes. Yes. Your diet, your exercise is helping that. The way you look, if you're strong, if you're weak, that's on you. But if God is keeping you healthy and still alive, that's from God. Amen? Amen. Some people say, I, I, I never smoked a cigarette and then I come down with lung cancer. And we know of people who work hard, who, who's on proper diet, running all the time, lifting weights, eating properly, right? And then they die early. And we know somebody who smokes and drinks whiskey for breakfast, they're still alive until 85 years old. Why? Because it's God who determines everybody's life. But everybody's life is going to be called. Everybody's number is going to be called one way or another. The, the times that we make our health and our money our idols is when we think we own it. We think we own it. How about our family and our relationships? Please turn to Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10. I have it here for you. This is Jesus speaking. For I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves father, father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. I started this section with saying, God knows. When Peter said, Lord, you know. You know that I love you. Now God knows that these relationships that He has placed in our lives is important to us. Do we agree? Yes, yes, you should agree because it's the truth. God knows that, and He told us in the command here, that we are to love each other. He gave us a, a, a diagram or a, a format, not a format, an instructions for how a Christian household should be. Right? So he knows that these, these people, these relationships are important to us. But he reminded us in Deuteronomy, and then when Jesus was asked, what's the greatest command? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. That's the first command. That's the greatest command. And then the second is like it, and love each other as I have loved you. Right? So, so, it's, so why would he then say this? Why? Because in serving God, these things can come in between that. Abraham was asked to sacrifice Isaac, the promised son. Years after he had to let go of Ishmael too. Remember? 
When Abraham, when God spoke to Abraham that, that evening, the scripture says in Genesis, early the next morning, Abraham saddled his donkey and gathered the wood and called his servants and grabbed his son. No delay, guys. No calling the pastor and saying, um, can you pray about this? I think, uh, I'm not sure if God's calling me to do this. There's no special meeting at the village. He called everybody and says, I think God spoke to me about sacrificing you, Isaac, so I need you to pray about this because you're on the line. Okay? No. Early the next morning, he saddled up the donkey. All these relationships here, God is not saying to hate them. What God is saying here for us is that it will come, there will come a time in our life because God should be the number one. These people will come in between that. Be careful that you're not the one that's coming in between someone's obedience to God. Husbands, if your wives are being called to do something, don't say, oh, you need to cook dinner for me first. No, no. Don't be a baby. Let your wife serve. Wives, if your, if your husband's being called to serve, don't say, oh, need to be here with me. Can I go to the men's ministry breakfast with you? Sometimes we make ourselves more important. We get in the way, right? We get in the way of our loved ones to obey God and serve God. Sometimes they do. But we need to remind ourselves that God says that if you let these things, these people, you're not worthy of me. You and I can lie to each other. You and I can hide the truth. However, like Peter, when Jesus restored him, he was asked pointed questions three times. As many times as he denied Christ, he was asked three times. And God always had another statement after the yes. Remember, God had, so okay, if you love me, if you love me, what did God, what did God say? The first time he said, I love you, Lord, you know it. And Jesus said, feed my lambs. And Jesus again asked, do you love me? And he was it. then he says, yes, Lord, I love you. You know I love you. He said, take care of my sheep. And the third time, feed my sheep. The love, you know, we'll get to that, our love series next month. But the love there, the first one was a question of agape. Peter, do you agape me? Agape me. That's the sacrificial love. And then Peter responded, Lord, you know I phileo you, brotherly love. Jesus answered all these questions after he answered him, after Peter answered Jesus, he said, prove it to me. Prove it to me by preaching, feed my lambs, by teaching, by preaching, by caring, and by teaching. Preaching, caring, teaching. All those three we have in this church. All those three we have in, in this church. We try to have all these three things in all the ministries of this church. We try. Of course, the, the preaching and teaching and the caring for the media team, because they're, they're feeding you the words on the screens, especially if you don't want to turn to your Bibles. God knows who did. <laughs> right? The security, they're protecting us. They're caring for us. And they're teaching us through their lifestyle. Now I'm going to put my life on the line for my brother and my sister. Greatest love of all, right? The moms, when they're feeding us for the pot bliss. And then the teachers feeding you and teaching you. We're doing all this in this church. Now, are we going to end this message? Yes, we are. <laughs> if you love me, if you love me, again, Jesus said it again in another verse. If you love me, if you love God, what does he say? You will keep my commandments or obey 
my commandments. We just can't say we love God and disobey God. If we love our parents, we do something for our parents. If we love our children, we do something for our children. Right? Analu has this, Analu and I have this uh, morning tradition. And it's, she, all she needs to do is text me, hi, babe. Yeah, she woke up, she texts me, hi, babe. And that tells me, time to make the coffee for her. <laughs> and then my response is, sure. <laughs> I get up, grind that espresso. Make sure it's warm, right temperature, right sweetness. Because I love her. Yeah, girls, you got to look for a person who loves the Lord, I'm telling you. You have to love a man who loves the Lord, Gianna. Just, Jill, girls, single ladies, don't just go for the Christian guy. Go for the guy who loves God. Because if he loves God, he will obey his commandments. Now, if he loves God, he will remember to love his wife. <laughs> Yes, amen. This is the truth, right? You want, to, you want to be in a relationship with someone who loves the Lord. Husband, same thing, right? You don't want to be worried that your wife is cheating on you while you're at work, right? The last thing you want is you're making money and your wife's cheating on you. Now, if, you're, if your wife loves the Lord, you know she fears the Lord and loves the Lord that she will not do that. So men, you look for the girl that loves the Lord. <laughs> and then lastly, lastly. Okay, okay, here, here. Matthew 10, 39. So don't have your own messages there. <laughs> Matthew 10, 39. This, I'm going to finish. Matthew 10, 39. He who finds his life will lose it. And he who loses his life will, for my sake will find it. This is Jesus speaking. Did you hear it? Did you read it? He who finds his life will lose it. If you take hold and grab of your life so much that you make it into an idol, you will lose it. You will lose it. You grab on to your husband and to your wife to a point that you're suffocating them, you're going to kill them. You're going to kill them. But then he says here, and he who loses his life for my sake will find it. The search for meaning or purpose, and then to live out to the fullest of that meaning or purpose as determined by our beliefs will dictate and reflect in our lives. What we determine what meaning and purpose should be is how we will live our lives. So we need to adjust or renew, I should say, we need to renew our minds to what the, world, the, what the Word of God is telling us. What is He saying? We give our life to Him. And once you actually give your life to Christ, you will what? You will actually find the meaning of your life. Then and only then will you truly find the real meaning of your life. You will find out His will for you. You will find out and say, this is what God wanted me to do. He made you successful for other people. He made you loving, not to love yourself, but to love other people. Now, Peter lived and died for the Lord, right? You know, this is, this is a summary of his, of his faith. His faith was so weak that he almost sank beneath the waves because he was afraid. Remember when he asked God, Lord, call me so I could walk on water. And then he started doubting because there was wind and, and waves on his face. And then Jesus said to him, oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? His faith was so great after after. When he was restored, his faith was so great that he regularly performed miracles in Jesus' name. That's in the books of Acts, chapter 5, verse 12. When Jesus was crucified, Peter denied knowing him three times because he was afraid of the consequences. He was afraid that he would be captured, slapped and tortured, and possibly crucified. But then, and then Peter preached the name of Jesus so boldly and powerfully in Jerusalem that 3,000 souls were added to the church. In one day. Imagine. 
Peter lived for the Lord after Jesus restored Peter. And then after Peter finally got it. Remember when he was answering, Lord, you know that I love you. You know, you know, you know. Peter was finally saying, everything that I know, you already do. And the person that I thought you were is actually better. You are God. So you, God, are calling me to do it, and I will do it boldly. Peter lived for the Lord. He wrote two epistles. First Peter, and great, second Peter. He was going to write third Peter, but then he was crucified. No. Yeah, he... <laughs> First Peter and second Peter. And Peter died for the Lord. He was crucified upside down. He was crucified upside down. Why? Because he didn't feel worthy to die the same way as his Lord. The proud and arrogant Peter became bold. The proud and arrogant Peter became humble. The proud and arrogant Peter lived for the Lord, not for himself. This is the Lord's message. Praise be to God. Let's close in prayer. Father, we thank you for your message tonight. We thank you for the truth that you have given to us through your word. We commit our lives to you, Lord God. And I know we always say that, Father, but we, we, I, I hope, Father, that my brothers and my sisters, including me, will truly mean that. We commit our lives to you. We want to live for you, Lord God. I hope, because we know that you know this, I hope that is true. And if it is not true, make it true, Lord God. Give us a heart that wants to live for you. Give us that desire. And as we desire that, Lord God, give us the boldness, the strength, and the willingness, Father, to do it and to be faithful. Father, you said that apart from you, we cannot do anything. But with you, Lord God, we can do all things. So, Lord, we trust in you. We rely on you. And we depend on you, Father. All these things we ask in your Son's sweet and mighty name, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And all the Lord's people said, Amen, Amen. Thank you very much. Thank, uh, please.